Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Ray. And today I have Michelle Legali with me. Michelle is an intuitive life coach where she helps women to develop their intuitive abilities. Michelle, you're very welcome. I see you gave me the thumbs up. So hopefully I pronounced your name correctly. I'm so proud of you. That's impressive. You're the first person who's ever said it correctly on the first go. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So um, welcome. I am so glad to have you here. Um, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you because um, you talk about and teach a topic that's very close to my heart. I love talking about intuition, intuitives, empaths. And I think that sometimes it kind of is the topic that, well, more and more now people are talking about it and embracing their empathic nature. And it's something that we're realizing is a gift, um, which was probably not always seen that way. Um, But let's start out by explaining what it means to be sensitive, to be intuitive, um, and how does somebody know if they are? Wow, great question. Okay, so I think of empaths and sensitives are people who feel more, see more, feel emotions. They could be sensitive to touch, the sun, the lack of sun. They're sensitive to spirit. They're sensitive to animals, the earth, the collective conscious. They're extra sensitive. That's how I define empaths and sensitives. And empath is just a little bit different where this is, again, my own definition based on my own experience. Empaths try to take on the pain and suffering of other people, animals, planet, and it can cause problems in their own personal lives um, if they're not aware of that. And that's the difference, I think, between empaths and sensitives. Empaths carry it. (laughs) Yeah, and I want to talk about that. We'll go into that a little bit deeper. Um, But I'd love to know, did you always know you were an empath or a sensitive? Or is it something that you discovered later in life? No, it was later in life. I didn't have words for it when I was younger. I I don't think the word empath, it was not in my world, or it it didn't exist yet, or I it just didn't exist in my world. And the way I, um, the way I When I look back at my younger self, the way I see it now is I would say to my mom, mom, like she would be talking to somebody and I'd say to my mom, mom, that lady's the words she said, but how she feels on the inside aren't the same. And my mom would say, what are you talking about? I said, what she's feeling on the inside and the words that came out aren't the same. And she, my mom would just say, I have no idea what you're talking about. So when I look back, that's my first memory of me picking up on the incongruency in people. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because that's something that I've always, you know, just tuned into. And I always thought everybody saw that or, you know, felt that way. Um, But yeah, it's funny now I realize, oh, people don't actually realize that what people say and what they're actually feeling can be different. And I know I always pick up on it. And sometimes I'll smile to myself because I'll be having a conversation with somebody and you know what the feeling is behind what they're actually thinking and saying. And it's really, really interesting when you start to embrace it and to know, okay, um, what I'm feeling is different to what they're saying, but that's okay because I'm picking up on another layer of energy, so to speak. Yes. Amen to all of that. Yes. And I was like you also, I thought everyone did that 
And it wasn't until a little bit later when you saw people's confusion that you start, you know, how you, again, I don't think it's a conscious thing, but you know what not to talk about anymore to get along with people. And so I think those things eventually get dumbed down or dimmed down in us. Yeah. And I don't know if you find um, what I find is sometimes I'll take on people's personality traits as I'm talking to them. And sometimes I'll be talking to somebody who's maybe feeling a bit awkward or like stumbling over the words and I'll start stumbling over my words. And it's so funny because I like take on and equally, if I'm talking to somebody who's really confident and really, you know, just like confident in themselves, I'll start acting and feeling that way as well. But what I've realized is I don't have to take on those traits and I can be myself without having to take on other people's stuff <laughs> that's great and that's what I call a thriving empath when someone becomes conscious of that ability and then is stays conscious to when they want to use it and not use it mm. so. so would you how did you come to know yourself to be an empath was it through some life lesson or was it just from learning about the, your spiritual side how did you recognize that side of you I think it came through me at some point, not really happy with my life. And it started with me listening. I forget who I was listening to. This was before the internet. Like you had to buy CDs online. <laughs> and um, and um, I remember somebody saying, follow your joy, start listening to yourself. What is interesting to you? And it was the first time I had thought of doing something that I was interested in. I was just kind of raised you become a teacher, you have kids, you get married, whatever. I just was following the plan. And then I started to listen to this. Um, he was a channeler. And then I would start to follow this thing of, okay, well, my choices today are do the dishes, walk the dog, make dinner. And I would just out of those little things, feel into the one that was the most interesting. And I did that with everything. And it opened me up to learning more what I was interested in. Then I went, started to go to classes about intuitive development. And that's where I really, I was never good at regular school. I struggled in regular school, but I went to mediumship school. And then I was the top student, which was a brand new experience for me because I didn't realize the way I was wired was that. And it really wasn't until I was probably 30 something that I was like, oh, this is it. This is who you are. This is why you, this is this all makes sense now. Yeah, so that was it wasn't really till later in life. I can relate because I remember being in school and being, you know, the kind of daydreamer and not really having that much interest in some of the lessons and, you know, obviously picking up on everything that was going on around me more so than what the teacher was saying and finding that. Also, you know, I'd be in this world of, um, you know, imagination, but that's connecting also to the spirit world and our creative side, which at the time I just thought, oh, you know, um, I'm probably just daydreaming or whatever, but it was connecting to that other side. Did you yes. find that? Yes, I found that. And I found, and many people still tell me this is a cop out, but I really believe it, where I think empaths attached to think through our emotions. And so as a student in school, maybe like history was something I was just not, I didn't have an emotional connection to. So I could not retain it. I could not, it was just, 
I, I just, if I didn't have an emotional thing, I couldn't attach to things I didn't have that emotional connection to. So unless the subject was something I had, could have an emotional connection to, I was diagnosed as like poor retention, poor this. But it, now that I see as an adult, I'm like, no, I, I'm sorry. I can only do things I'm passionate about. Sorry, everyone. It's just the way I'm wired. Yeah. And I think that's why, well, obviously that's why you've ended up teaching intuitives and empaths and helping them. Um, that's your passion. And same with me. I tried the corporate space and, you know, doing the kind of office job and, um, you know, there were aspects of it that I loved. Um, but also I knew that it wasn't what I was going to be doing forever. And I think when you listen to your intuition and try and follow that path as you did, you know, just tuning in today, what is like calling to me? What am I feeling that is going to be nurturing to me, to myself, to my soul? And just like little by little, because you don't have to do it in one fell swoop. Um, you know, you take those little baby steps towards what is calling you. Amen. I totally agree with that. And it, 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 I don't think it happens like you said in a, in a day, although people can have life changes that really pull the rug out from their life and put them on a new path. And that way works too. But I like nudges and whispers. I don't want a two by four over the head. So I just listen now and follow the path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those little nudges and those whispers, if we're in tune, we can hear them, but it's when we get, as you say, that 2.4 over the head is when we're not listening to those little nudges and then suddenly we have to make big changes. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, honoring our sensitive side and what we were saying earlier about, you know, embracing our empathic nature and allowing ourselves to use it for our highest and best good rather than it being a burden or holding us back. So how can sensitives honor their sensitive side and take care of themselves and their energy. I, I, yes, to all that I have found for me and others that I help the best thing is to find a community of like-minded sensitive souls. And like right before you and I were talking, I was with my group of sensitive souls and the way we talk, the way we feel, the way we think we're like sisters. And it's just so nice. We lift each other up. It's just, we expand and we and we, that's a space where we we believe our gifts are awesome. Like we see them and feel them as gifts, whereas the rest of our lives, it's not so much that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes we kind of hide behind um, the roles that we're in or the, you know, the way we're meant to act in society. And yes. that's okay to a certain extent. You know, we don't want to be going around talking to spirit, you know, all the time yes. or whatever it is we do. But obviously there's, it's beautiful when you can come together with a group and you can just open up and be yourself and not have to hide any of that. And for people to relate and to know that you're on the same wavelength there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's nothing better. And it just, it's so nourishing. Yes. And, and I've got chills just you talking about that. I've got chills um, yeah. because that before I really understood the type of people we are, I would get a book and I would sit at my home when I had time and I would read the book and that was helpful, but not the way we can grow now. Like we, it's a different time now. We can find each other. We can get online. You and I found each other. We're going to, 
like this is the life I want to live now. Like this is, there's so much more available to us today than ever. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for me, I find both really nourishing. I love sitting down with a book, but I love connecting with other people who are on the same path. And there's sometimes when I love nothing more than sitting with a cup of tea, sitting with a book and having that time to myself. And at other times being in that space with other people and, you know, just feeding each other and uplifting each other. And, you know, it, it we can do that, as you say, it's available. We don't have to be isolated or feel like we're the only one. And I think for me, certainly when um, I was younger and I was interested in angels and spirit and intuition and all the spiritual stuff, um, not many of my friends were into the same thing at the time. So it's lovely to find people who are on that same, same wavelength. Um, and what I wanted to mention is that, you know, often when we don't realize, because I didn't know I was an empath until I started doing Reiki healing. And it was in a healing where I think somebody was having, um, I, I started having symptoms of a cold and my nose started running. I started feeling a bit achy. And at the end I said to her, do you have a cold by any chance? And she's like, oh yeah, I started getting one the other day. And as soon as she walked out the room and I cut ties and cleared my energy, all those symptoms went away. And so that was what made me kind of first realize, oh, okay, but there's different levels of empath. Not everybody feels it or has those physical symptoms to that degree. Um, there's different levels. Would you, do you want to just quickly touch on? Um, we might have to talk about this together. The way you described it is the way I recognize it most. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Physical symptoms. Um, anxiety is my, the one I'll grab because honestly, that's the one that I suffered with the most. So I still have that healing work to do within me. So when it's very easy for me to resonate when someone comes in my world with it, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I've noticed with empaths, two things, they're just natural empaths where they're pretty healthy and they're literally just feeling the, the stuff of other people. But mostly I found empaths who have their own inner work to do and don't see that yet. And their own stuff is being um, pressed there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So there it's kind of being mirrored back to them Yes, and they're getting triggered by certain people or events or situations. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also what you were talking about at the start where when you're talking to people and you can kind of read into the meaning of what they're feeling behind the words. Um, so I think a lot of people might start out with that and just notice that they're kind of feeling a bit more than what people are saying or reading into it a bit more. And I thought I was just really good at reading people. I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm really good at just knowing somebody's character. Um, and that's how it kind of started off, not realizing that I was part of being an empath. Um, the physical symptoms, picking up on physically within your body, not all empaths do that. That is something that um, only certain empaths do. Um, everybody has different layers or different levels. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. I don't know if I've really thought about it like you're talking about it. So we should talk about it. So yes, I agree with what you're saying. Some empaths, like you said, take on the characteristics like confidence. Does that make sense? Mm. But I've 
I don't know. You should have to tell me more. I notice more of the way you described it. They'll get the cold. Like I got a toothache the other day and my daughter's tooth fell out around the same time. That, that, that stuff that I don't like, I don't need to feel anybody else's. And even though I'm trying to stay conscious to it, that is, that is, that's the layer that I really know about empaths. Yeah. What are the other layers? Share them with me. Yeah. There's like, you touched on it earlier about people who are sensitive to light, sensitive to sound, um, sensitive like to, like for me, certainly like loud noises. Um, And with two young boys, sometimes I'll have to just go into a room and sit down and try and escape the noise for a while because I don't want to be constantly telling them, you're not allowed to shout, you know, they have to be able to express themselves. Um, But yeah, bright lights, noises, you were saying earlier, touch, sensitive to touch. Um, So feeling on a deeper level than maybe other people would or being more sensitive um, to certain things that and being in crowds when you're in crowds being sensitive and picking up on stuff that's going around you so there's kind of that highly sensitive um side to people and there's empaths but I I I don't know if there's a like line between the two I don't know if you can say cut off one and say okay that's a highly sensitive person and that's an empath I think the lines are kind of blurred it's a spectrum. And I think I notice, for example, when I'm not feeling good, just I get sick, I become, and I think this is true for all of us, I'm highly sensitive in my mediumship when I'm low. I'm highly sensitive to anxiety. So I become more sensitive when my own energy is low. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's a spectrum. And then when I'm feeling better and I'm feeling stronger, I might not pick up on my daughter's toothache or you know what I mean so it's and it's it's dynamic it's not static at all it's a it's a spectrum so do you think that's because when you're feeling low your boundaries aren't as good and when you're feeling good maybe your energy is more protected that's you can say it that way yeah Mm. I think that's true or stronger I'm just I can hold my own I can hold I, I look at it like colors I'll see I know I'm a certain color and you're a certain color and for me, consciously, I at the end of this, I'll make sure you get all your color and I'll take my color back because that's how I keep my. And I feel like when I'm not feeling well or my energy's low, it is like that. Like I, I'm not staying conscious of when my color's leaking and when I'm taking on others. So yes, to mm. your question, it's a boundaries thing, yeah. and it comes from it when I'm not strong. So yes, yeah, yeah, and I find the same if I'm feeling really energized and strong I can go out into a group or a crowd and hold my energy whereas if my energy is depleted particularly if it's at the end of the day if I'm feeling tired if I have to go out and socialize um, and even my wording is telling if I have to go out and socialize (laughs) I can relate (laughs) Um, but yeah I might find that I just end up being drained and you know just getting home and just like collapsing on the couch and feeling like I'm wiped out. Um, whereas if I'm, if my energy is good, I'll be able to hold that energy and not let it be drained. Um, but that also comes with setting boundaries, protecting our energy, doing the work beforehand so that we're going into those situations protected. Um, are there any ways that you um, do that or you could recommend people yeah. to protect their energy? Yeah, this, is, this could go deep. So you cut me off. I think one of the things that I did 
and I try to help other people with is like, get really clear about what you really want for your life. Like, can we move out of our obligation? I mean, do the things that you're obligated to and you want to, like, I'm obligated to my family. So I'm going to do those tasks. And that I have, that's important to me. Do I need to socialize? Or was that, was I conditioned to want that or not even want it to do it? So once I really became clear that that's not really for me and I let that go, I felt better. Now, if I decide like I'm going to go to this family event or a friend's thing because I've consciously said I do want to do this, I might save it for one hour. I might say I'll be there for one hour. So I'm very stingy with my time now to keep me feeling good. And that's all, that's not me taking a bubble bath and blocking my energy. It's me getting clear about the life I really want to live. Being clear about your boundaries and who you want to interact with and not feeling, because I think a lot of the time um, we feel we have to go to the social occasion or we have to turn up or, you know, what, what will people think of me if I don't? And, you know, feeling that um, obligation. And as you say, once we realize, okay, I can decide and it's not through hurting other people, it's through honoring my own intuition, my own energy, my own feelings. And that's okay, allowing ourselves to do that. Yes. And I think either the way we were raised or it's just because we're empaths and we do pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of others, we have a really bad habit of noticing other people before us and making sure that they are happy or stay okay, or I'm going to behave in a way that keeps this nice and happy. Does that make sense? Totally. And I want to go into that because I think it's a really important point because empaths are naturally intuitive, but because we're picking up on everybody else's energy, everybody else's feelings, putting them first, then we're not actually listening to our own intuition. We're listening to the loudness of the energy of all those around us. And it's, I think, really important to begin to distinguish what's theirs and what's ours and to hone our intuition so that we're not just, you know, giving away all our power and really staying true to what's right for us. So what do you recommend to begin to take steps towards that? Yeah, it, I think it's the biggest problem for empaths. I think it's the number one reason why they want to isolate is because they just, they're exhausted and they want to not feel <laughs> everybody else's stuff. But I would, I think a thriving empath is, is someone who's conscious of how they're wired and puts things in place to change that behavior. And the one thing I'm gonna share with you right now, I think is so effective, but it's a simple tool. But if somebody doesn't use it consistently, it's like a muscle, you'll get better and better if you use it. And it's as simple as when you're with somebody that you stay conscious and I'm, and I'm, and what I mean by that is in my mind, I'm going like this, am I just only in my head? I'm not saying this out loud. I'm just being a regular person with this person. And I'm saying, but in my head, I'm like, is this theirs or mine? Oh, now I'm feeling anxiety. Is this theirs or mine? So the entire time I'm staying aware of whose is whose. Does that make sense? Mm. And then the next step, you might not be able to do it in the moment. You might have to go home and 
like look at this thing, I go like this. Now, if I was going to speak in the way that served me, what would I have said? And if I was going to speak in the, and do and behave in a way that served them, what would I have done? And to start to see the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a really good way to distinguish. Yeah. And you might in the moment, you might will just act like you always act because we're conditioned to please or whatever. But if you can take a step back when you get home and go, that's interesting. If I would have, if I would have just held my own and said what I wanted to, I would have said this and just start to notice the difference. And I, it's a big wake up call. You start to see how habitual that behavior really is. And I think that habitual nature will probably continue on for a little while. It's like a kind of process of weaning it out and first of all as you say becoming aware noticing where you're doing it and then you can start to notice yourself in the middle of doing it and then you can start to maybe make changes and then it'll come to a point where eventually you'll either stop doing it straight away or you won't even begin to do it because you've um you know developed a new habit but I remember I used to sit in a group of people and I'll you know, I would be thinking, okay, he's feeling that way. Um, he's not feel he's feeling a bit anxious today. Um, how can I make him feel better? And another person is feeling good. It's like, okay, they're feeling good. So they're fine. And this other peer- person, they're feeling this way. And I was always trying to fix the other person and like their emotional state. And then I take that on. So I'd end up being a mess because <laughs> of course you can't change people and the way they're feeling. You can just, um, you know, bring your energy and then that can be um, contagious in itself. If your energy is high, that can lift others up. So I think maintaining your own energy rather than taking on others and trying to fix them is a much better strategy. And it's always like going within. Um, but I love that strategy of, even just sitting back and looking at, okay, how did I react? Was that in my best interest or was that in their interest? And just kind of starting to begin to question that. Yeah, it's a really effective tool. And to add on to that piece, I've noticed when I try new things, you know, you know how we're only doing this in our own minds and nobody else knows we're doing it. But I noticed when I started sharing my little techniques with my family, let's say my husband, I would say to him, you know what, I've noticed I care more about whatever, pleasing you than telling you what I think. I don't even know if I know what I think. So I'm doing this experiment where I'm going to pause for a second and think about it. So you may see me acting a little strange. Are you cool with that? Whenever I bring my family and friends on board with whatever I'm doing, it happens. The change happens so much with more grace and ease. Does that make sense? Instead of me just holding it in my own self and experimenting. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you're explaining that process because often I will be doing stuff like that, but I won't actually explain it to other people. Um, So yeah, that's a really good point that if you actually tell people, this is what I'm doing, uh, because I even had a situation the other day where um, I asked my husband a question and he paused for extra long. And I, I said, are you, are you going to reply? And he was like, no, I'm just thinking about it. And I think sometimes if we explain to people, okay, and I, even then I said to him, oh, that's okay to think about it, but maybe let me know you're thinking. 
<laughs> but yeah, it, it seems obvious, but actually explaining some of the processes that we might be doing or going through um, can be really helpful for others to understand us. It's I've it's the um, it has changed my life more than anything to say to my it's always my family and friends because that's who are really just family. That's who I spend my most time with. And they love us. And they all want whatever we love each other. So we want to make a great environment. And um, I, I did, this isn't an intuitive thing, but my husband and I, we noticed since COVID happened, we would talk to each other once a day. He's at work, I'm at home and the kids are here. And I, we were more negative, like, well, so-and-so, whatever. We, and I said, just in my, in my mind, I thought, I'm going to get on the phone and be positive now. I do not want negative phone calls. And I did it for a few days and I felt the frustration because he wasn't on board. And then I finally went, I forgot to tell you the new thing I'm doing and I need you on board. And he's like, I would love to do that. And as soon as I shared the new way we were going to be, he's like, yeah. And then, then it was the new way. There was no frustration. Yeah. And it was just that communication. Yeah. It was like suddenly overnight you changed. Yes. He was like, what's going on? We have this conversation where we unload. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it changed easily. It's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think we there's so many positives we've talked about some of maybe the um drawbacks of like picking up on other people's energy and managing our own but there's so many positives being intuitive being empathic being sensitive that we haven't really touched on and you know I find for myself we talked about you know reading other people or knowing what they're going through for when I was doing healing work that helped so much with understanding what a person was going through and not just understanding but knowing what they were feeling and feeling it within myself and being able to say okay I know what you're going through and actually know what they're going through and um, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positives to it and um, that I'd love to touch on as well how have you felt that it's helped you oh boy I love this question it's like it's our it's our gift and when you own the gift, you get on a path to your life purpose. It like, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any good words for this. Like, I just feel fulfilled with it now. It's not a curse anymore. I like, I help people every day. I help people discover their own intuitive abilities. I talk about what I'm passionate about every day. I, um, uh, I coach people every day. I help people with their emotions. Like I get to do the thing the thing that I thought was a curse at one time or I struggled with is the gift now. And I use it every day to help other people's lives get better. And I can't, I could cry talking about it. And that's come from you owning that and honoring your sensitive side and knowing that it can help others. Um, and for me, I think there's so many empaths out there who are going around feeling all these things having this sensitivity and not having a clue that that's what they are, that they're empaths and sensitives and thinking that it's such a burden when they just don't, they just haven't discovered what it actually is. So I love this conversation where we can talk about what it is and help people to notice and to open up to what they're feeling and how they're being. Yes. Amen. It's, it's, I think it's a path we all go through. So there's a level of unconsciousness. You're not aware of who you are and how you're wired. And that can, that'll be a struggle for most. And then you start to wake up to 
you hear about like your podcast or you hear someone else talking about like empath, what is this? What? And then you start to identify like, oh, wow, I get that this makes sense. And then they start to learn the tools and like, what? It can be a gift. And it's that, it's that journey of discovery. And then you become the conscious empath. And I think that road is just the best road. And you mentioned a few times you were talking about thriving empath. So what does that look like to you? What is a thriving empath? A thriving empath is a sensitive soul who uses those abilities to make their own lives the way they want them. And but I think the fulfillment comes from using those, those gifts to heal and help others. Mm. And I think a lot of us, whether we're empaths or not, um, are feel so much more fulfilled when we're helping others and when we're serving others. And I think sometimes we talk about uh, being of service and serving others in a way that it feels like, oh, I have to do it, or it's a burden, or, um, you know, this is something like um, charity work that I have to do, you know, but it's not like that at all. When you're using your gifts to serve others, doing what you love, it's just such a blessing because every day you're being in your power, you're helping others, you're enjoying what you're doing. And for me, the serving part is almost not even an awareness because it's just like this uh, flow of energy between um, me and my members or clients or whoever I'm working with. Do you find that? I, I do find that. What I did find is I, again, I was unconscious at the time. I wasn't aware of like this equal energy exchange. So I was doing a lot of work like, oh, you don't have to pay me. That's okay. And I felt that drain. And it wasn't until I understood about my value and the worth and like these gifts have value to them. And I started to charge for my services and that was wobbly at first. And I learned a lot about myself. Then I could feel like the power, the excitement of, wow, this is what I do for a living. This is wow. Like it felt different. And then I could feel the drain go down after having some years of experience. I felt that drain again. And then I started to charge more and then it felt good again. So there's something with this energy exchange. It doesn't have to be money. Maybe it could be something else, but like that was a really key uh, learning for me with this work. Absolutely. And I think I've worked with so many healers and people who are in the space who start out not charging for their work and then they kind of get to a point where like well how can I start charging when you know my friends and family and everybody is expecting me just to give away uh, the thing that I'm offering um, and it's something it's like it's almost chronic in you know you'd never expect to go to an accountant or a solicitor or somebody else offering a service um, and not pay them maybe if it's a family member or something like that yeah. but you know, there's very few times where you will have this exchange, this service offered and not have to give something back. And I know that's one of the key principles with Reiki. When you start out, there always has to be an energy exchange. And as you say, it doesn't have to be money, but there has to be some sort of exchange, um, even if it's like offering a healing for a healing or something like yes. that. Um, but it's so important. And 
that's what we were talking about a minute ago about setting boundaries. I think that's a really important part of it. And not just giving your energy away, because that's how people end up feeling, you know, just frazzled because they've just let all their energy flow out and not received. Amen. To all, yes. Yes. To that. And there's some, at least for me and I, the women I help, there's some thing, I don't have it dialed in yet about our own value and worth in the world that gets tied into that, that I do not see it show up for women or myself until I start to charge. Then a big Pandora's box of weird stuff of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough stuff came up. It was fine when I was doing it for free, but then I stepped into being the professional with it and a lot of weird stuff. So I was so excited because I'm like, I've got more healing to do. And then I see it with the women I help now too. I'm like, okay, ladies, we're going to start charging. And, you know, there's like, oh, I'm not ready. Oh, no. <laughs> so yeah, there's something really interesting and it is chronic in the, the healer, helper, light worker industry. Like it's chronic that we, we are not charging for our services. Mm. And what I find interesting as well is often then people will expect to have that service for free because they're like, oh, but like you guys, do you not just like give this stuff away? Yes. <laughs> uh, but I also find that the people who do invest in themselves, they get so much more from it because they have invested in the service or whatever it is, or the membership of the group or the course. And they've, they've committed to doing the work. And they said, I'm committed to this. I'm going to pay for this. This is showing my commitment. And now I'm going to follow through and do the work. Whereas when you don't have that commitment, then they don't necessarily follow through and do the work. That's what I've found. Me too. And it could, and I thought about this too. I've noticed that in my own world. And maybe it is part of that energy exchange where they actually can't receive the level that they could because they haven't given. Do you know what I mean? I've always wondered like, is that why? Is that why the more someone pays, the more they actually, the benefit they get because the the give, then they can receive more. And I don't know the real answer, but I've always been fascinated with that. And I have it's, found that to be true. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, the breath. If you want to breathe deeper, you have to breathe out more. You have to empty your lungs more and then breathe back in more. So it's again, that exchange. Yeah, I love that. What a great metaphor. That's perfect. Mm. Um, so how, when people start working with their gifts as an empath, how can they help others if they're not in this healer space or, you know, they may be just working in um, an office job or corporate, or, you know, it might be some other service-based industry. How can they begin to help others? Oh, good question. How can, so the question is, how can someone begin to help others with their gifts? Is that the question? Yeah. Um, first, I would ask, like, is this something you want to do? Um, so if somebody said yes on that, then, oh my gosh, what would I say? I think I would say find a mentor, like find a guide. I, there's, I, I don't have one thing that I'm like, go try this cool thing. I don't think I have that. I, I, um, find a mentor, find a guide, find a group, find a, find something that like that you can get with and start talking and communicating with those people. 
Like, mm. I think that's going to be my first recommendation. Find a group of like-minded people. Yeah, that's really good. And I often find as well that sometimes the people that I work with, I find they're already maybe doing some channeling work or they're already um, maybe learning about tarot cards or learning about angels and doing angel readings, but they're not sharing it with the world. And I find what I always recommend is to start just sharing, even if it's scary, even if they're not ready, even if they feel, oh, you know what, I'm just doing this as a side thing, um, just to begin to start sharing the messages or the things that are coming through, because often the messages aren't just for ourselves, they're to help somebody else. And that can help somebody really in profound ways that we don't even realize. I love that. I think that's a great, that's a great tip. So when people want to contact you, if they want to get in touch with you, where is the best place to go? Because I love everything that you've talked about. So how can they learn more from you? Um, you could just, uh, somebody could go to my website, uh, michellelegaley.com. There's actually a, a, um, thing on there that says top 10 signs you're an empath sensitive, right? When you go to michellelegaley.com that they might like that. And that's probably the, the best way to, to find out about me. I also have an empaths and sensitives Facebook group online. Um, those are probably the two easiest ways. Brilliant. And it's been such a lovely conversation. I love that we've opened up um, this conversation and been able to talk about this because I know the listeners will so resonate on so many levels. Um, so thank you for being open to sharing. And um, I'll put a link in the show notes as well if people want to go find you. That sounds great. Thank you for having me again. This was like my first podcast. So I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank oh, you. Such a pleasure. It's been so lovely chatting with you. So thank you everybody for listening. We will be back next week for another episode of the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.